if my brain were a mop of hair, it's like a comb just going through and like tangling out the curls and like boinging other so curls. Satisfying about that exactly. Because like, I love having a mop in my hands most of the time, cleaning something up. You do? Like, yeah. Why do you like cleaning? I don't love cleaning. I like cleaning. Um, I like cleaning my space, I should say. Oh. Yeah, not other people's Not other. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. If you were, like, die hard about cleaning up after other people mm-hmm. and you lived in the city, that'd be a miserable existence. Oh, my God. Facts. Just, like, you turn every corner and you're like, I have to get that. I have to get that receipt. Oh, my God. I see filth all the time, though, so it's just, like... Ugh. And I live in like the worst neighborhood. So what neighborhood do you live in? I live in Marcy in Bedsty. How is that the worst neighborhood? I mean, the neighborhood's dope. Inside is filthy, because NYCHA doesn't give a shit about people. Oh, so that's that's real. Facts. Yeah, the elevators, man. It's like Jumanji. Like you get in there and you got to stand over like a 10 foot puddle and you're like, is that from the dog on the fourth floor? Or is that like a dude who is too lazy to knock on somebody's door? Did you see the puddle outside uh, <laughs> in the building, this building? No, nah, I was looking up the whole time. I was like, this is nice. Oh, well, I confidently like busted in the door after <laughs> getting home like from the gym or whatever. And I stepped in this big ass puddle that was like right God. in the, I don't think it's the foyer. <laughs> Technically, but it's like room before the main door. Okay, and we should introduce oh. who is here. I'm very excited um, for this guest today, not only because um, I've met her before and she had to remind me of that, mm. which is always like a marker of a dope person with a good memory and who listens like we talked about before, the ability to listen. So she remembered us meeting. And um, anyway, she gifted me with a painting right before we started because she said, I felt like we already started this podcast episode, which is the point (laughs) we did. We had, this is just a continuation of like the vibes that are already present. So like, Mm -hmm. thank you for the painting. You're welcome. It's amazing. I want you guys to know what artists we have here today. And um, just just to play it safe, I've had guests on where I thought I knew their name, but they came with a totally different identity. Mm. I thought I knew how to pronounce their <clears throat> name, and they corrected me. So I just want to give the mic over to you, and you can say your name. Um, my name is Marisol de Monte. Mm. Um, it's not so much a, another name. Um, well, my art page on Instagram has a, another name, but abstract Marisol. I was trying that out, but I just like when people pronounce my name right. Marisol. Marisol. Mm-hmm. So do you correct people if they don't do that? Um, like if, if I feel like I'm clear on how I introduce myself, then I don't correct them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people are always like, do you prefer uh, Mike or Michael? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I said, hey, I'm Michael. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Do you have a nickname? Um, here's the thing. If if I meet you and I tell you that my name is Michael mm-hmm. and you decide to just call me Mike, like I have some friends that just, they choose to call me Mike. And with those friends, it's it's okay. And that's my nickname. Or Mick. That's Mick. my favorite one that my friend made. Okay. I only have one friend who calls me that. What's up, Mick? I like that one. Yeah. Do you have any nicknames? Um, 
My family calls me Mari, and my grandpa calls me Negrita. What is Negrita? Negrita is like the dark, pretty girl. It's oh. like, but in Spanish, it's like a sweet thing, um, because oh. like my entire family is Ben's complexion, except for me and my sister. Whoa! So, cool. Yeah, with like blue eyes, green eyes. Really? Yeah. They're, what's, so what's they're the like story? Puerto Ricans. Oh. Yeah. Right. So. Huh. So I was in a play once where I had to play an Italian, mm-hmm. and I was like, kind of looking around, like, why am I playing an Italian guy? Mm-hmm. And people were like, well, there are Italians your color. So apparently that happens where you have a family of light-skinned Puerto Ricans. And then yeah. <laughs> you have the negritas. The negritas, yes. Negritas. Here's the thing about like with names that aren't, that don't have a, well, they have an English pronunciation, mm-hmm. like a Western, Westernized pronunciation. But it's not how you say it, right? So if you're going to introduce your self as Marisol, Mm -hmm. you're kind of asking a lot from people that don't, you know, that don't speak another language Mm because it's, you're asking their tongue to like move in ways that is a little different. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like effort. Have you ever had resistance to like people? I've had people say like, I can't roll my R's or. Do you have a trick for that? No, I'm just like, you could call me Mari or you could call me Marisol. That's fine too. I never make anyone feel terrible for not pronouncing my name the way Sure. I want them to. I've met so many people who have these beautiful names that I can't even pronounce. So I don't walk around like saying everybody needs to know how to pronounce my name. I, right. I, I hope that when I ask for them to repeat themselves, it's a conversation and not like someone getting offended. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. So, yeah, I lived in Harlem for like four years, West Harlem with my titi, my aunt. And um, she was married to a man from Yemen. He worked in like his cut co- him and his cousins own the bodegas over there. I told Ben this that like it's great to get a free bacon egg and cheese in the morning. <laughs> but like they had a whole bunch of names that I couldn't pronounce. And I was like, Can you tell me how to pronounce your proper name? Because like I know like you're just telling everybody your nickname's this. I'm curious, genuinely. So You know what? Just Real quick, mm. bacon, egg, and cheese is <laughs> literally my favorite sandwich. It's my favorite. It might be my favorite food. I eat those three foods every day. Maybe not cheese every day, but bacon and egg is literally on my plate for at least one meal every single day. We can like do an entire podcast about this because it depends on the bodega or the store, the deli, who makes the right one. Who gets it right? I've been to places where the eggs are too runny, and I'm like, I didn't order sauce. What's this? I've been to like places where I'm like, the bread is burnt, or like, what is that on the bread? You know. So you gotta find the perfect place to get that bacon, egg, and cheese. I don't eat cheese. I just order the bacon and egg, and I always get that look that you're giving me right now. But <laughs> just bacon and egg, or sausage and egg. If you're, it's like that Wednesday where you're like, maybe I should take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the sausage break. It's real. I do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Okay. Well, wait, so you like you like pork? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love pork. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite meat. Um, sorry, yeah. sorry. Did you ask me a question before I started talking about bacon, egg, and cheeses? No, we were oh. talking about pronunciations of names. Yeah, right, pronunciations of names. Man, I uh do you listen to uh, the Bodega Boys. Mm-mm. Oh. Who are they? 
Well, it's a, it was a podcast that was recommended to me by one of my friends mm-hmm. who also has a podcast. And it's basically two dudes who work in a bodega and chill all day. And just, I know, it's hot. I'm the AC. Balls. The AC is useful, but it's just a little loud. It's like that. I should have done what you did with your fro and like put my hair up. Do you want to do that? Rocking froze right now. Yeah. You can do that. You don't have to have the headphones on. You can do whatever you need. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. We're chilling. Okay, so let's just get into it. What uh, this show is basically about doing what we're doing right now, which is chilling and talking. But I also want to get to know about your story and what you're doing now, and then kind of like dig around to find out. How you got there. How you got here. Cool. If you're cool with that. Yeah. All right. So you're from? I'm from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Your whole life? Yeah. I lived in West Harlem for four years. That's cool. Mm-hmm. West 126. I loved it. I love Harlem so much. And I love Brooklyn, too, but Harlem was just, ugh. It's like, it's heart right there. It's got like the, its own rhythm that I appreciate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself ever um, living in a city that isn't New York? Yeah, I I honestly um, I've been having that conversation a lot recently because New York is wonderful, but it also can sometimes feel like it's the center of the world, the universe. And there's nothing else besides the four block radius or the next borough. And I never want to get stuck in that mentality. I always want to challenge myself and have a new experience. Like, I'm hungry for that. So yeah, I'm always trying to explore what else there is. And I've been traveling a lot in the last three years. Um, and where I'm from, like, that mentality sometimes can just be it. Just this is home. This is life. Right. It is what it is. Well, I'm not oh. from here, and I'm. I've, it's so easy to fall into that rhythm. Because mm-hmm. if you're not in that rhythm, the, I think people call it the grind. That's mm-hmm. kind of overused now. But mm-hmm. like, if you're not on that grind, mm-hmm. then you can't like live here. You can't like because the city just kind of keeps moving. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're walking on the su- you know the subway platform mm-hmm. and you're you just stop to like check your phone. Like people are gonna bump into you. They don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. You got to keep moving. Yeah. I appreciate when my phone dies, honestly. Like, I'm like, shit, no music. But then I'm like, oh, look, I'm looking up. That's, that's different. Um, yeah. So where the first city, if you could just point on a map and be like, I can spend three to, what, six months here, where would you go? India. What would you do? Mm. I'd probably work with some nonprofit over there or create um, with locals, like I backpacked India about maybe two years ago, and that's number one on my bucket list to see the Taj Mahal. And so, doing that, it opened my eyes, but also I was just like, oh my gosh, like my feet are on the other side of the planet. That's incredible. I can be here too. I can give back here. I can learn here. Um, I can be open here. So, it's so weird too because like. I've been to I've been far away the first time I was really far away was when I went to Africa how was that? it was like 
like everyone else's Af- trip to Africa, it was like amazing, you know, <laughs> amazing but also terrible. Mm-hmm. You, it's like shrooms; you don't come out the <laughs> other end the same. You're forever changed, shrooms. you know. You hate shrooms. Facts. Do you shrooms. have you been to Africa? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you, you hate Africa? <laughs> no, not yet. I haven't been to Africa yet. Africa's like one shroom trip. Where in Africa did you go? I went to Nairobi, Kenya. Cool. I spent most of my time um, outside of uh, Kibera slums and it, some of it inside, but most of it in this like, I forget what it's called, but it was basically a missionary commune, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like a weird commune. It was just like a gated community where a bunch of missionaries were living. What, what, what would you say is your artistic, uh, form? Well, I'd say that my life is that cause I'm constantly trying to figure that out. Mm. I grew up, not even grew up. I've lived a lot of my life. Think looking back at all these different things I've like be, randomly become air quotes, randomly become obsessed with that take over my life for six to eight months to a mm-hmm. year. And I've thought, man, I just have a lot of hobbies. Isn't that weird how I just float from hobby to hobby to hobby? But the more I kind of pay attention to what's going on and really focus on the things that I'm interested in, I find that, yeah, I, I could be collecting hobbies, but I could also be building a toolkit. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, why, you know, like... Part of my question for you today is what's your medium? That was one of my questions. Mm-hmm. But, like, why does it matter? You know, like, because this is something I'm doing with you right now. I'm cre- We're yeah. creating this together. And I'm using all of the training that I've had yeah. up until this point. I asked that because I was curious if when you were in Africa, something in your inner artistry connected to that place. Oh, yeah. I was there for... So I was there on a missions team. And I was there on a music... I was oh, on okay. a music team. Cool. So I was uh, one of the singers. Mm. And we perf- we did some street performances. We went school to school. We went to some churches and we went to some non-religious affiliated, you know, places and just did a set. We had like a set. It kind of felt like I was on a rock, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a, in a rock band. And, uh, and so I learned a lot about myself in terms of like having stamina as an artist where that was never really tested before. I, I, I w- wouldn't even say that I identified as an artist at that point. I just knew I really liked singing. Mm. I also happen to have a crush in the youth choir who's now my wife, but that was a huge, uh, that was a huge <laughs> motivation to show up <laughs> to youth choir practice. But like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Singing was very important to me, and Africa brought a lot of clarity not only to that, but to what it is to be, like, a human being and what it is That's to be a beautiful. person. It, Africa is... It's, a, it's like shrooms in that it's everything that it needs to be for the person who's experiencing it. Yeah. And you can always count on something going wrong, but it's also one of the most beautiful things and places and things to experience. It's, But, yeah, so is it... Is India kind of your Africa? It is, for sure. Because it was number one on my bucket list since I collect journals. I always have, like, I have, like, stacks of journals that I keep. And every one of those since I was in elementary school has been go to India, go to India. I think in my head as a kid that was the farthest I could get away. And so making it there, I was just like, 
oh, it's not everything I thought it was going to be. Um, and not that it was more or less. It was just different. I found forts and, and having conversations with locals and connecting to people a lot more um, life-changing than looking at the Taj Mahal. I felt like that was just like the period at the end of like the sentence. It was like, oh, okay, in the Taj Mahal versus that entire experience. I, um, we were, we did like this Ganges tour where like we were, um, sitting on a boat in the Ganges with like some crazy mosquito repellent. And, um, when we got back, it was watching the sunrise. There was this painter, um, painting on the banks and his art was just like on this beautiful paper. And he was just, just had this energy of just calm and I was like, I need a piece from this artist. Like, this is the first artist I've seen besides, you know, people hustling in India, which mm. is a whole different art. Um, but uh, I got a piece from him, and I was shocked at his price because it was nothing. Um, but it was everything was so gorgeous, and I chose this. The price this. was nothing or the piece was nothing? No, the piece is everything. Oh. The price was just, it was like pennies. Um, so we gave him, me, my friend and I, we gave him something, and... Um, we bought a piece, and I asked him what his name was, and I know a little Hindi, um, and he said "biar," which means love, um, and I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my God!" It was my favorite moment. Um, so those are the moments mm. I look forward to when I travel. Sometimes they're unexpected. Sometimes they happen at the airport, where it's just like, "Wow!" Like my spirit is just—I feel like regenerated or something. <clears throat> well. Yeah, I mean, to bring it back to your question of what is my medium, mm -hmm. it's kind of like India is my medium, Africa is my medium. Mm -hmm. It's not the place that you're in so much as it is the people that mm -hmm. you meet along the way. And mm -hmm. not just people, but like times and experiences. You know, when no one's around, but you're just in a place and you're like, whoa, something really profound is happening. I need to remember this. And it can be that moment of like, you're just in a different place. You look up and you see something that mm. is just for you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's my medium. I'm trying to find that thing that's just for me. <laughs> and so, you know, so far it's been the, it's been things that are kind of unexpected. Like just staying open, like you said earlier, and that's, that's all it really takes. When I stay open, I find myself at tables like this across from people like you. Mm. And that's something I wasn't doing before, and it's something I probably couldn't have done before without the training I had. Mm. So I'm just kind of trusting the wave. I was listening to one of the episodes and um, of looking for an artist, and yeah. I don't know if it was you or the person you were speaking to said something along the lines of like listening to their father, be able to just have conversations with people, um, and like learning from that and feeling like that's never something that they've possessed. I wasn't sure who said it, but that resonated with me because I was like, my dad was always that person. He could mm -hmm. just meet anybody in the street. He could be getting a ticket from a police officer and he could still like have a genuine conversation with them. Right. Um, and I think that's just something I've always found interesting in people and something I want to master is being able to be open and present, having present. a conversation, but it's fucking hard. It's so, <laughs> it's fucking so hard. hard. It takes so much discipline. Um, and some, I mean, it depends on the person, right? Like sometimes you meet people and it's just like, holy shit, like I'm mad stimulated right now. And then other times it's like, you deserve this. You deserve my energy and all this stuff, but it's hard. 
I struggle with that all the time. The yeah. trick is not beating yourself up or making yourself feel like an asshole because you can't like right. be completely here. Well, I, I really like um, physical manifestations of these kind of meditative principles, which is like t- to be fully present doesn't necessarily mean you don't necessarily associate presence with energy, like a mm-hmm. like one specific type of energy. Because mm-hmm. your energy can be wherever it needs to be, but if, if you're in that pose and you're breathing, you're there. If you're on your mat and you're breathing, you're there. So that's really freed me up in terms of like having to, air quotes, gear myself up for things or gear myself up for people or conversations is because it's like, I can just be where I am. I can come as I am mm. and um, trust that that's enough. Wow. You hang out with actors. I do. That overused phrase, usually with the clap emojis. Like, remember, <laughs> you are enough. I am enough. Mm-hmm. We are enough. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. love that community, though. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I love that community. Yeah. I'm definitely um, some sort of a product of that community byproducts facts facts for sure i went to theater school did you go to theater school i did Mm -hmm. i didn't go to theater school but i went to a school that had a theater program and i did get a major in theater i guess there is a clear distinction isn't there right i did the same thing like my major was theater yeah my major i went to school to study acting i try not to say i went to acting school Mm. i never thought about that before yeah maybe i wish i had gone to acting school I've taken classes at acting schools. I never went all the way. And I like I went to I had a theater major, but I didn't finish that. I originally went to school to be a mortician. Hmm. I was a mortuary science major. Why? Um, when I was in high school, um, they told us we needed volunteer hours and my high school was across the street from Methodist Hospital. So um <laughs> We started in the mailing room, and then we met the mortician in the hospital. And he was like, if you guys want to assist in an autopsy, let me know. I got some permission slips. No. Bible. And so we, we, I got my, I got on the G train, 20 minutes, went home, told my mom what was happening. I, I, like, I remember putting on, like, my smart cap, like, okay, I have to, like, make this, like, it's for a grade or something. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. ma, ma, this is really important. It's for science. And, like, she was like, all right, go. <laughs> So I went back to the hospital and we did it. We got like gloves, everything, and we assisted in doing an autopsy. And nobody went back except me. I became friends with the mortician. So like after school, I would assist him. It sounds like such bullshit, but it's the truth. And I learned so much about I learned so much about chemicals and like um the like the um Trying to find out how someone died is so intricate and it takes so much time and there are beds lined up with like bodies that are wrapped. It's really, it's really interesting to me. This is kind of a grotesque and chunky question, but like how many dead bodies do you think you've seen total been around? Well, that I was able to work on or I've seen? No, just been around. Yeah, seen. And then and then work on total, but I want to know all the numbers. I used to try and volunteer at least once a week for like probably like a spring to the summer. Uh-huh. So I, more than like more than like twenty for sure. So how many could did you work on? Um, probably like six, but 
I only helped with like pulling things out and putting it. Oh in, like, my the gosh. Chemical. Like, and it was interesting because sometimes when they'd open up a person, <sighs> you have to see if the doctor is the person who killed the person because their ribs will be broken from trying to revive them. So it's like this whole process and Whoa. all this paperwork and notes. And I'll say one more thing, and you could cut me off no, if no, this no. is getting a little too gruesome. No, like, I was never just... allowed to work on babies. Like, they always kept them in a cage on the side. Yeah, sorry. But <laughs> like, yeah, it's a cage because there were cases of mothers trying to come down and find their, their kids. Yeah, it gets deep. But he got fired a few years after I graduated. And he was in the news and everything. It was some, some suspicious stuff, but yeah. Well, I don't know if I was technically supposed to be down there, but... Uh, why did uh, <laughs> just like just like too many questions actually? <laughs> so okay, one, what? Two, why did he get fired? I don't know. They had like found some fetuses in like a garbage can or something. Yeah. Three mothers. It's like, trying to find their kids' body. I don't know. Like they didn't always give us the details. They would just be like, say some ominous shit like that. It was literally locked up in a separate. Like, like the, the child's yes, bodies it's like were. They're very like their procedures and how everything goes is very different than like the elderly, younger people. It's like a case by case thing. I was only allowed to assist in like people who had passed in the hospital. So if like a case had come in like from a car accident or something like that, I was not allowed to go near any of that, for obvious reasons. <laughs> In your yeah. school knew about that you were doing this? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my friends was taking dance classes with like some guy who worked there. And so, yeah. Okay, so I know you paint. Mm-hmm. And this may kind of seem like I'm trying to force the issue with, so you're a painter. Welcome oh, to no, Looking no, no, for no. Artists. But I do want to talk about that, but I want to talk about dead mm-hmm. bodies as well. <laughs> Maybe not... <laughs> Uh, dead children bodies, but no, no, dead no. bodies, like, in mm-hmm. general. So did that, did working with a mortician pretty consistently and f- then finding interest, enough interest to go to school for it, mm-hmm. has that had any influence on your art or your work? No. I mean, maybe subconsciously, but, like, not anything right. that I've been like, oh, this is from that time in my life. You're not, like, going no, to paint, like, rotting Because it was never and... affiliated with my art. And right. if anything, that experience, it was... A lot of my work comes from an emotional place. Hmm. And I don't feel like I couldn't function in that setting if I, emotions were involved. It was all logic, all information. Right. You know, you had to be present to see everything and make sure you're doing the right thing, you know? Um, but my art is usually, like, like I said, like a gift... Or, like, me trying to communicate in a way I can't articulate. Or me saying thank you. Um, so, and rarely is it for me to, like, let some shit out. Those pieces I never keep. I <laughs> always give them away. Well, okay, that's cool. What about the pieces that you um, give to communicate something? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember you saying, sometimes I give it to try to tell someone something. Yeah. What's that about? That's interesting. Mm. I can, sometimes it's easier for me to make a piece for someone that I don't know versus someone I do. And so it means a lot more to my family and my close friends when they receive a piece from me because they know that they've been asking since day one. Um, I made a piece for one of my best friends, Nicholas, who I grew up with. And that piece took me, 
I would say that piece took me like seven years because I started thinking about it from the moment that he asked me for one, but I hadn't purchased a canvas until like five years later. So it was always in the back of my mind. It was just like, when's the right moment? When's the hmm. right moment? When's the right moment? Or like, when do I feel like doing this shit? Because <laughs> it's, 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 it takes a toll sometimes. It can be a purging, but it can also be like you and taking something to just like, it's this weird cycle for me sometimes. Have you found a system that works for you or do you just kind of work with the inspiration? I work with the inspiration. I, I'm competitive. So if I make it into a competition where I'm like, bitch, if you can like get nine paintings done in this amount of time, you know what that's going to feel like. Victory. <laughs> so like I'll push myself. I made 90 paintings in 90 days. Um, and that was just... Whoa. I don't even know like how I walked into work. <laughs> but when it was all done, it felt like, oh, this is evidence I get to keep with me for the rest of my life to show that like this is what I'm capable of. Yes. So stop with the shit. <laughs> Did you okay, so you made ninety paintings in ninety days, mm-hmm. like one painting a day? Yes. And so I didn't limit myself on what that was. So if I decided that I was gonna create a doodle made out of paint. Uh-huh in like a fucking subway station or like that's one painting done and it wasn't even cheating it was just like you created that so that's a painting I mean I pushed myself also because I didn't keep them all small but I was also realistic with like the amount of energy I was exerting Um, I never give anyone anything that doesn't mean something Um, so everything I create is intentional so um, I was like okay okay we're going to keep, like, moving. Um, I draw, I sketched. That was considered a painting to me if I, like, added something. So depends. But I did that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I like to do even some artistic things, like, in my life. I like to find a physical manifestation for mm-hmm. that. And both in my physical pursuits and also my artistic pursuits, I found that through personal experience and also this show, like, people... Their response is, put in the work. Consistency is key. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the times, even like with nutritional plans or like workout plans when people get hype, like the new year, and they're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get ripped. Mm-hmm. They go for a week. They don't see results, and so they stop. Or they they go for a week, and they're like going – they go every single day. And then the next week comes around Sunday, and they they miss because they literally cannot go. They they in their mind they want to go, in their heart they want to go, but they can't go. And then the fact that they can't go and that they were so committed makes them do a one eighty. So they're just like, oh man, I missed that day. I'm off the cycle. Like yeah. I lost the commitment. Like when instead, you can just say, I'm gonna do something physical. Like every day, I'm gonna do something artistic. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna make some type of painting every single day. So I love that that you do that. Like 90 paintings a, a day. The summers were are my day where I joke about this with friends because I don't do this literally every day. But most days, I'll start a song uh, on the computer and have enough to like piece together a B section and be like. This is a song. I did a song today. Mm-hmm. Boom, next day. Like, summers are my time to do that. Mm-hmm. I find the inspiration. I have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I like doing, like, I'll try to do, like, a song in an hour, a song in two hours, and then mm-hmm. just be like, all right, that's my work for the day. But I think that that builds this, like, momentum. Wow. You know? It's so funny that you just said momentum. I did the 90 paintings in 90 days with this company called Momentum Education. 
Um, Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's about like you living. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's about like you living your best life and, but, you know, putting in that work. And so I created a letter of accomplishments, things I was going to do in 90 days. And that was part of it. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, that was like a full circle yeah, thing. Yeah, I appreciate like, that. Thank you. And <laughs> outro music. <laughs> That's awesome. I literally, so the mission of that company, the education, educational what, program. Education, yeah. It's like life training and life skills and like building a community, connecting with yourself and the world and how you can use your superpowers to contribute. It's a lot, but it's, it's really powerful. And, um, transformative they like to say um i've had my ups and downs with the company but overall i can say that i have evidence of like what i'm capable of so yeah sick so um you you're obviously an artist you paint Mm -hmm. there are other mediums i know that you express yourself through but when i asked you if you could point on a map and go anywhere you said india and then i asked you what you would do and you said either community work or create things. So seems like the community is something that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Not just like Harlem or Brooklyn, but just the community, the global community, like wherever you are, For you sure. know, that's cool to me. What does that look like? Is that a, um, is that kind of like you're interested in more the mortician stuff where it's like no. separate from your art or does this have more of a connection with your art? Are they kind of one in the same where they're, they're separated, but also you see some crossover. What, the, what's this um, about? Mortician stuff was a chapter. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. I like, I like, uh, creating like vocabulary for every episode where I have like things that yeah. I call back to. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Um, oh, community. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to travel. I just, for some reason, thought getting your passport would be the most difficult thing in the world, but it wasn't. It just cost huh. some money that I didn't want to spend. <laughs> but yeah. um, I was a part of this organization, well, a volunteer with ASTEP, Artists Driving to End Poverty. And it was through those workshops that I was able to see beyond like the community at home, um, just what you could do with your art to contribute and nurture. And I realized that those are things that mean a lot to me. Um, And something else I got from that organization was that just because you're from somewhere doesn't mean you're part of that community. You might want to, like, make a change in something, but sometimes you have to be welcomed. You can't just come in and be like, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to do this and that. No, that's not part of it. And Mm -hmm. so I was actually ashamed of my community for a long time, being from Marcy um, Projects. And after that, I was able to go back and actually have conversations with people I judged for X, Y, and Z and sit down and be like, hey, what's your name? I see you every day of my life. And I just walk by you, you know, with your friends or whatever. Um, And I got to, I started with my building and then I started talking to other people. Um, And then I started painting with the kids in the neighborhood. Um, I started with a canvas from my house and um, an easel. I brought it downstairs. I started painting in front of my building. Never occurred to me in a million years to do. Um, and then kids started looking out their window and coming down. The grandma started sending their kids to come down and paint with me. And I was going back upstairs, downstairs with like my materials and just painting with the kids. Whoa. Where I'm from. Like, you know. That's and raw shit right there. Yeah, it was really 
it was really beautiful and also like it put me in my place. Hmm. It was like like this is what you're this is what you could do. Like if you just stop judging or you turn that part of yourself that like you're insecure about and you're projecting away and like, you know, step into it. So it connected me to a lot of people. It gave me some perspective. There's a lot of police around Marcy, and they even have these bright lights that they shine into people's windows, thinking that, you know, it's like that concept. You keep the roaches, the lights on, you keep the roaches away, that thing. And so I was like, do you even feel safe with the police here? No, it's worse, you know? So having that sort of dialogue with people, um, it, it really, like, it's like, how can I use my art and still connect to community? Like, how do, and I'm still learning how to do that, you know? And it could even be chalk, chalking up all the floors. Um, the uh, kids, sometimes they play the police and base basketball games. Hmm. I just bring out a table with some, like, art supplies. And, like, kids who aren't really interested in that might want to do that, you know? So I'm always learning how to use my art or the superpower or, you know, as a tool to give back. That's, that's like, really, really incredible because... Those are the moments like that really can change not only your life and inform what you're doing, but change their lives and inform what they're doing. Mm. And it takes like what? A piece of paper and a pencil. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> part, like we, we kind of touched on this earlier. I went to school for and studied acting. Mm -hmm. I did not go to acting school, but, um, I got to this point uh, a few years after graduating with my art at the time, which was also a time which I could say, this is my medium, this is my art, just to let, let you in on where my head was at. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I was going to the EPAs. I wasn't giving money to casting directors or going to the weird, like, seminars mm. where you get the one-on-ones, like... Mm. I didn't do that stuff, but I went to auditions. I got the agents, whatever. I went to the auditions they gave me until they stopped making sense. And then the EPAs, it's not that they ever really made sense, but yeah, I, I it ask, what does stopped making sense for me to go. Okay. At first it did, mm -hmm. right, just to try it all. Like um, if I'm going to try to learn how to surfing, how to surf, like take every wave for the first whatever however long, just to get comfortable with the, all the movements. Like mm -hmm. I recently started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm -hmm. And when I first, for the first like three to four months, I literally went every day that I could. And when I went those days, I went like at least two to three classes mm -hmm. a day. So it's like, what I just. What made you want to do that? To build this toolkit, like express, like um, to have a larger physical vocabulary. Yeah, because mm. I don't, like, I love moving my body, okay. but I don't want to dance. I don't want to, you know, but, but anyway, so, <laughs> so I got to this point where I was like, who am I helping by going to audition? Because right now that's my gig. My gig is not actually acting because I'm like, I'm not acting as much as I am auditioning. Yes, there are, you land the job a couple times. But your main gig is auditioning, which is kind of separate from the craft. But either way, you have to do it in order to get the 
the job, right? So I was like, okay, who am I helping by this? And then when I get the pl- if I get the gig, who am I helping in rehearsals during this time? And then after rehearsals, if they go swimmingly, and then we opening night, we kill it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of being silly. I think theater is very important. I think it's awesome. I love theater. I think it can change people in their lives and help them. But at the end of the day, like who I didn't feel like I was help really being helpful to my community because I would leave my community to go then join a different community and try to work within that community. I was like, well, no, I know I'm an actor because I I did. I proved that to myself. Like Mm. I can do these things. So now how can I be an artist in the community? Like, how can those things, how can that coexist? I want to be in the community. I truly do. But I want to be in it in ways that I can be helpful, which like I can express myself in artistic ways. So then how can I use my gifts to be helpful? And for me, that I, I didn't really see going to EPAs as being a helpful thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that's a question every artist needs to have, but it seems like your head is kind of like, close to that ballpark of like, yeah, I'm an artist, I'm creative and I like to create things, but there are people that need help. There are people that need things that I can give them. So where, where's the middle ground there? I don't, I don't, I feel like that's the root of it. I think that's how I continue to do it. That's the purpose. Yeah. But I don't know if there's a middle ground to that for me. I just want to continue to connect and I'm grateful that I can create. You know, I didn't take painting seriously. I didn't call myself a painter for a very long time. It was just something that I could do. Doodle. That's what I called it. Hmm. I bumped into a janitor from my high school like three years ago on 42nd Street. And he was like, you, you, you. And I was like, oh, shit, that creepy dude. Like, what is that? I know this guy, but I don't know him. Like, who is this? And he was like, you went to John Jay. I remember you used to throw your papers on the floor. And I told you, stop doing that. Stop throwing your doodles on the floor. You should put them on a a painting. I always told you that. Whoa. He was like, I remember you were the doodle girl. I was like, don't call me that. (laughs) Doodle girl. (laughs) But, like, it was cool because I was like, oh, he remembered me for that. Like, that's all I did. Just, like... I wasn't, it was hard for me to focus in class, always. Yeah, my brain same. was always somewhere else. Parent-teacher conference, first thing a pa- teacher would tell my mom is, she's she's a really sweet girl. She daydreams a lot. Yeah. She's like, she's mighty, where are you? Like that. And I was just always somewhere else. Right. And like how I was able to focus is if I was like drawing and someone was talking at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like even now, like talking to you, like in my head, it's like, I'm doing this, like, because... Sometimes it's hard to just focus. I have to do other things. So I don't ever just sit in a room in silence and paint. Sometimes music doesn't even do it for me. Mm-hmm. I need to like put on a movie that has a lot. So yeah, it's a certain muscle. We found with our workflow, mm-hmm. if we put like you came into this vlog that was up, mm-hmm. we put like surfing videos, skating videos, some maybe a couple surfing vlogs up mm-hmm. there on mute, put on some music. Yeah. We also are working on music. Mm-hmm. We have stuff on you know we have the ipad out we're drawing like i think it's really crucial to like if that's how your mind works Mm -hmm. your art by the way is amazing but it's it's like not but but it's amazing and it's like 
I look at it and I'm like, whoa, like I could look anywhere and spend an hour there. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause there's literally, there's just so much going on and we can do all the plugs <laughs> at the end so that people can see what we're talking about. But <clears throat> just the, the amount of detail and then the attention to that detail, you know, it's not just like random texturing. It's like you could read into every mark on the page. If your mind works that way, it's good to like feed your, you know, give your mind what it needs. Like do the things that are, that you know work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like school that's is the like, journey. that's the journey. That's the journey. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, you have this and it's like navigating it and also like trying to make it like, you know, your superpower, but at the same time, it can be like the worst thing about you. It can, it can affect all the other things. Like I, my mind works this way and I appreciate it and I'm capable of creating these pieces, but like something about that sporadic, all those lines, all those messages, the twirls, the colors, there's like a lack of discipline there and control. There's like, it's like this, my mind is just on, on, on. So but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a lack of, uh, the discipline or control in terms of you having the ability I think it may be a lack of just education because hmm. for me, I went to a, the same school, kindergarten through 12th grade. At no point was I taught how to organize and be productive with my creative thoughts and my creative process. And it was hmm. clear that I was creative because I was in all the art classes. I was in all the music classes. I did the musicals, but no one taught me how to use that in the real world. People were teaching me math problems. People were teaching me about history that had a weird, slanted, biased perspective. Some things were may or may not have been the most accurate, but it was just like, why am I sitting in history class when I know I'm not going to use this? And the things that I can use, you're not teaching me how to use them. And I'm not just pointing my finger at, the at my school. It's more the system. And I don't want to sound like another millennial being like, oh, the system mm -hmm. failed us. But like, who the fuck taught us how to be an artist? Who taught you how to be Isn't an that artist? what makes it special, though? The fact that it's not always something that could be taught. Like, there are ways that, like, there are tools and education and things that can help you um, navigate that, but you were born with something. That... Yeah, but mathematicians were born with something that if they weren't <laughs> taught math, they couldn't use that. And they, their mind would be working in a mathematical way, and they wouldn't know how to articulate it all the time. I think part of why artists are trying to like desperately articulate themselves is because they were never taught how to do it. We have plenty to say. We're just, why are we searching for stuff? Like it's all right here. Hmm. It's right here. Like this conversation for me is what I need. It's what I need right now. So, and all we have is uh, two mics and two people in a room. So it's like, I don't know, dude, like, why is being a mathematician, why is being a stockbroker, those are legitimate jobs that people can pursue and develop skills for. If you are clear as a kid that you're creative, you want to be a painter, why is there no system set in place for you to be like, this is how we do it, this is how you do it, these are the skills you develop, this is how you market yourself, These, you know, you get into galleries, blah, blah, blah. It should be like a legit business. pursuit, like, the business. Oh, my gosh. I don't know anything about that. I just, <laughs> I really don't. Yo, we had us. We had a semester at the end of four years of acting school. School for acting. Yeah. It should have been day one. Instead of acting one, acting one shouldn't exist. It should be business of acting, 
Welcome mm-hmm. to this is what you're going to mainly be doing. And then we start monologues year two. I don't know. Yeah. Shit. I started like, I know a friend, I have a friend who like worked in a gallery in Chelsea. And I was like, dude, let me pick your brain. Like, how does that happen? How do you get from being like an artist in the bedroom to like, like just doing it in your own little corner to being in a gallery? What, why does that mean something? Why is it important? Um, and he's like, it's just all connections. It's all who you know. And sometimes he was like, how he's been in gallery spaces where no one's even looking at the art. It's just about the people talking to each other. And I couldn't tell if that was like, what? Is that something I want? You know, is that what success as a visual artist is supposed to be? Because I'm still figuring what that is. And does it need to be something that is successful? Like, I sometimes I'm so lost in the sauce. <laughs> I'm just like, I have this. People like it. I know, like, there are people who are really good at marketing things and, like, using that as a business and being able to eat off of that. Um, but I don't know. I don't. That's the thing. I don't know <laughs> what that is. And I don't know if I want to know what that is. And if that'll taint some of where it comes from for me. Like the mystery of it, mm-hmm, the, the call mis- the to the wild. <laughs> yeah. But the work can still be wild. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I've had really regimented rehearsal schedules where it's like, I know exactly where I'll be, exactly what I'll be doing for the next however many months. And we go in and it's literally the definition of insanity. We do the same exercises, sometimes the same scenes the same lines over and over and over and over and over again, and we expect a different result. Like part of what it is to be an artist is to be insane, to keep doing the same shit over and over again and have it be different and new each time. Yeah. And also being comfortable in the unknown. And being comfortable in the unknown, but you Mm -hmm. can have an organized space to then go to weird places. It took some level of organization for us to get here today. But now we've already talked about a million things that I never <laughs> thought we'd talk about. Mm. That's real. Yeah, it's like this, you know, the work can still be wild. You can still have the wild and the beast, but they can still be, know how to operate as a, you know, in a house. Mm. You know, I don't know. That's I'm just thinking out loud here at this point because I'm looking around at a lot of people my age and, at varying levels of ability and skill set and maybe even talent, determination, all that aside. I know a lot of creative people right now that are just like, yeah, I like doing this. I don't know how to make, you know, I don't know how to turn it into rice and beans. When I feel like, damn, then why did we go to school for 13 years, you know, Mm. at least? And then the people that go to undergrad, it's like my friends that are going into grad school right now. Why are you going to, why are you, like, it's cool. You know, if it's a, if it's a legit pursuit, I get it. It's cool. I think it's great. I think it's honorable. And you get to study it more. But it's also like, why? you know, at what point are you going to start doing it then? Mm -hmm. How much schooling do you need? Or how much schooling, when is it, at what level of schooling do they teach you how to do it? Because if they don't ever teach you how to do it, why why are you going to the school? Why are you learning how to act if you can't ever, if you're not ever taught how to use that? Mm -hmm. Damn. I don't know, dude. You hand me paintings like that, and I'm like, there's no way that this can't, this shouldn't be rice and beans, <laughs> even if all you're trying to say is thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. We live in, I, th- I feel like we just live in a time where a lot of the jobs are taken care of. 
So we don't need to be trying to do those things. We can do the things that there has to be some sort of a plug, like a weird Marisol shaped hole in the world <laughs> that you can just boom, there's my work. That's what I do. Boom, it works. Yeah, you gotta create it yourself too. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing too, like especially with technology yeah. and all these apps. It's so fascinating the amount of access that people have. What apps um, do you go to? What are your go to apps? Oh, for like social media or in general? Maybe just in general. Well, I'm playing the Harry Potter game right now. <laughs> <laughs> on the iPhone? Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, yeah, it is, but I'm addicted to it. Yeah. But <laughs> that's the first app that came into my head that wasn't um, social media. But I do edit <laughs> pictures online. Yeah. And um, I like to um, create, like, video compilations of, like, my friends doing goofy shit to make them laugh or... Do you, you know, wait, so like you, wait, you edit, edit photos that you take? Do you take photos? Sometimes, yeah. Mm, cool. So what are all the mediums that you actually do use? Um, like, I paint. I, I've tried spray painting. And? And I respect graffiti artists so hard because, like, the amount of pressure on the spray alone... Because you've seen my work. The lines are very fine. So I like everything to be... The graffiti is just like a freedom. It's like a dragon or something. I've tried it. It's really hard, and it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it wasn't for me, but I appreciate it. Um, I do really enjoy film, and I want to learn as much as I can about film. And eventually, I want to create animations. That's my goal, um, to make animation films for kids. Sick. Yeah. Oh, cool. I did spoken word for a while. It was cool. Oh, nice. A little too um, revealing. Um, so I kind of had to pull me, back a yeah, little bit. I was like, this shit is getting real. Like, kind of had to okay. hold your tongue. I was like, I'm not ready Could you though. do a little bit of spoken word right now, impromptu? What? Yeah. About, Imp- about how hot it is. No, about oh how gosh. many times that you've tried to ignore the fact that it's a million degrees. Oh my gosh, I know. You're just like staring at me like wipe sweat off my face. That's usually me in here, but I feel like I'm just used to it at this point. Mm. I just... It is warm. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> what are the what are basic rules of spoken word? Oh, my gosh. Um, like, could this be a spoken word? Like... It could. Every day, wake up, sip. I need another coffee, sip, drink, gulp. I need it. Where do I find it? Get on board, skate. <laughs> What does that mean? Spoken word. Okay, so yeah, it could be. <laughs> sure, why not? Cool. So why do you have paint on your arms? Oh, my gosh. Because ugh, I'm the worst. First of all, I stay sleep- falling asleep with like a pallet on my bed, so like sheets aren't safe. Um, you paint on your bed? I paint on my bed, yeah. Like I as you're falling asleep and stuff? Yeah, I'll fall asleep painting sometimes, or I'll forget like a palette is like on this little table next to my bed. I'm the I'm the worst. Yeah, I just got new sheets and yeah, I was painting on my <laughs> before, <laughs> and they have paint on them already. Um, yeah, I was painting before I came here. I was trying to finish yours. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, part of controlling the crazy is learning how to master procrastination. 
But I like procrastination. Oh, I, me too. I like it. I Oh, my gosh. It's a great, like, um, what do you call? Like, um, g- uh, uh, fuel? Fuel, yes, but it's also like a um, rule. It's like a s- rule set. It's like a barrier. Um, I don't know what, what, what the word I'm looking for is, but it's... Uh, it's like a thing that uh, it's like some a convention, you know. You can use it to your advantage. Yeah. It can be like, look, I gotta get this done now. So then you're you literally force your body to just like put all of your energy and focus onto that. Whereas like my mind otherwise is all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place unless I have no option for it to be right where it needs to be. So I think procrastination. Sometimes I use it. You know. It's always put in a negative light I think Mm -hmm. people think procrastination no or like you know that's not a good habit to have but for me it works that's when I'm just like oh shit I got like three hours to finish this painting and then the things that I can do in three hours or like um I learn about myself and like I'm competitive like I said sometimes that's all I need and so I'm like you've got this amount of time to do this that works um I'm also like terrible with deadlines when it comes to paintings or sometimes people don't give me deadlines when they commission work, hmm. which is the worst because sometimes I'll forget. Um, See you in seven years. <laughs> no, but like the, my best, my best to come out at like down to the minute, down to the hour. Like I got to be at the post office. It closes and like I have to mail this and I'll just still be varnishing on my way is I love it. When did you start painting, like really connecting with it? Maybe like nine years ago. My cousin, she really enjoyed like my doodles and she asked for her birthday for me to paint her something. And at that time I didn't own anything except like pens and paper. So I got like an old canvas. I I had some paint and I had no brushes. So I painted her entire piece with a pen. I just kept dipping it <laughs> in the hmm. in the um in the paint. And I didn't have any varnish, so I used clear nail polish. <laughs> and I I gave it to her, and she still has my first painting. It looks so different than all the other ones, but mm. it's special because um, that, that like, look what I did. It's so nice, and she right. likes it, you know? So, yeah. What did you um, first start painting? What? Like, what did you first start painting when you, like, nine years ago? Mm-hmm. I guess Shapes. not just your first painting in general, mm-hmm. but also like, is was there something that you like a style or like a sh- it, you said shapes? Like, was there a shape that you started with? I, I remember you saying that you now at least you mm-hmm. start in the middle and work your way from there. Like, did you? I guess at what point did the process begin and what did it look like? Sure. Um, when I first started painting, it was more like squiggly lines and collages and using um, consistent colors. Like I'd pick like, okay, I like three color, these three colors together. I'll just try something and just try and finish it. And as the years have gone by, I've pushed myself a little more with details, spending mm. more time on pieces. Um, I draw a lot of aliens <laughs> yeah. um, and, and like beings in the center. Um, it's usually like super trippy, but I like to play with just like bright colors Maybe colors that don't always make sense together. Things that, like, I can look at for a long time, like you said, and just be like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Or I wonder what I was thinking when I made that part. Um, Right. It's just, I just, doodles. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, here's the thing to kind of bring it a little back is mm-hmm. like procrastination, especially in painting, like things where it's a visual art. I mean, acting too, whatever, fuck it, art. you got to make choices. And when the choices are bold, mm. it doesn't always necessarily need to make sense. And you can read into things and you can learn things that just are there because of the bold choice that you made. It's almost like right or wrong. Choices don't exist if they're bold because you're mm. going to learn something. And if you're present, you take that info for the next time. So it's like... Yeah, that uh, the reason you said that is that concept of like colors that normally wouldn't work together. Um, I feel like we're living in a time where people are just putting, they're literally making a list of like, what colors don't work together? All right, let's see what we can do with this now. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was, uh, maybe it was like ninth grade or uh, eighth grade, end of middle school, where someone was like, no, you can definitely wear navy and black together. Like, it can look good. And I was like, all right, word. And then once I started thinking that way, I was like, yeah, you you can wear navy and black. Who said you can't wear navy and black together? What two colors do you think uh, work together that are the most surprising for you? That work together? Yeah. That you thought didn't. That I thought didn't. Mm. Maybe, like, lime green... And red. Whoa. I like putting those two colors together. It's that makes like... me think of Mexican food. <laughs> 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 we should do that. Let's get some tacos. We should. Mm. Well, you have lime green and red on your right forearm. Bro. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. <laughs> now you know she's not making it up, folks. She's not bullshitting. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So um, I don't know how long we've been going. Uh, yeah, about good enough. So here's what I'm going to do. I could keep going with questions just because this has been super fascinating and interesting and easy combo. But before I start to cl- like wrap it up, I want to... I tried this challenge with a guest and maybe their mind just wasn't in the right place because A, they're not a painter. Um, I don't even know if they're a visual artist at all, but here's what I want to do for the, for the listeners is I want you to paint something for them right now. You said you're even during this conversation, you're drawing lines, you're painting stuff in your head. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe just even let us in on that inner monologue real quick so that we can see what's going on behind the curtain? Ooh. I feel like I got to vape before I answer this. I can really get into it. Um, But I would paint (laughs) like a red canvas. Okay. I'm closing my eyes, by the way. If you're listening and not driving, close your eyes. And a lime green eye. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in white lines, I would write, looking for an artist. Boom. And maybe like a fist. Where? Maybe like in the iris. What color is the fist? Mm -mm. Maybe like a baby blue. Nice. That'd be cool. It would be obnoxious if it was one of those emoji 
yellow fist. <laughs> no. I like when Kanye was like, I'm still using the yellow emojis. I'm keeping it neutral. Because people, dude, when you choose to use the brown ones or the white ones, if you use anything but the yellow thumbs up emoji, you're making a statement. You know what I mean? It is like, it's fine to make that brown. statement. <laughs> I'm, I use the thumbs brown fist, work. dude. I'm like, I'm biracial power, bro. <laughs> I always use the like brother brown one. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say or do you want to ask me? Cuz I have a couple more questions sure. but they're not they're no big deal questions. You know they're like burp answer questions. I love those types of questions. Sure, my question for you is what question bothers you the most? In when, life. In life. When someone walks up to you and asks you this question or you're in a conversation and someone asks you this question that makes you like go, oh. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's dependent on, depending on the circumstance, it's like, not a specific question so much as it is like a sentiment behind this grouping of questions, which is like, which is like, what do you do? Or like any resistance to just hat, like just taking someone, like you said, free of judgment at face value and having a conversation about something that isn't, what do you do? Like, mm. I feel like it's like, I'd rather talk about the weather because the weather is actually, it's more interesting to me. It has a direct impact on my day-to-day, today-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day. To day to day to day to day. When the sun's out, gun's out. When it's cloudy and foggy for multiple days in a row, my head gets like that. It's like not a great environment for me to be in. So it's like, look, let I'd rather talk about nothing with you and be completely present than us go through our fucking spiel and our resume. Mm. So in New York... To answer your question, long story short, my least favorite question is, how are you? Because how are you is not, it's not, they don't mean that here. It's not how are you. They don't give a fuck how you're doing. What they want to know is what are the last three things that you've done that you can put on your resume that will either impress me or that I can use as leverage for my, what else, what, whatever it is that I'm doing. I really feel that here in this city. When's the know. last time somebody asked you that and you felt like they were genuinely asking how you were doing? I'm sorry. I know you said one no, question, yeah. but... No, um... Well, Ben, pr- probably. Aww. Ben. Ben. Because we're in... I'm in pretty consistent contact with him, mm-hmm. but, like, in terms of a person... Oh, this is a perfect... Oh, this is a perfect one. I met this man... On one of the last days of one of my gigs, I was waiting um, to be released. But in that time, I could go on a walk or whatever. So I went to a Starbucks and I saw this man that people were kind of eyeing and um, avoiding eye contact with. You know, he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's a rich Upper West Side man or a homeless dude. He had a mountain of Splendas and like four Venti coffee cups. And like five mixers, and like 
a couple water, like plastic water things. So he just had a lot of, lot of materials on the desk and um, was kind of inappropriately dressed for the weather with like a cane and a big bag, loose papers. He just kind of looked a little crazy. But it was a packed Starbucks. So I found an extra chair and I went up to him as nice as I could. I was like, hey, do you mind it? At all, if I join you, I want to sit at the table with you, but I'm going to face the opposite way and just listen to something. And he, and he looked up at me, and this was the first time I saw his eyes, and they were the kindest eyes ever. And they were like young eyes in an old man. I remember noting that, and he goes, not at all. And like, and it was one of those moments where you know when someone's looking at you. Mm-hmm. You know when you feel like, Someone's looking at you or you're being seen. Mm -hmm. He saw me and Mm -hmm. said, not at all. And I was like, okay, there's going to be some point Mm -hmm. in this 15 to 20 minutes where he's going to strike up this whole conversation, which he did. And it was great, which I knew it would be. (laughs) And he's like, I do not think we met by chance. I love that. uh, (laughs) Beautiful name. His name's Ira. Mm. And uh, we exchanged numbers and... He gave me his card with his number on it and said, very, very, very late is just fine. Because he's like, he's up at like 10, 10 p.m. on. But he was the last person who asked me. That was like the last conversation, right? Where <clears throat> when he was asking me questions like, how are you? Or mm-hmm. what's going on? Where are you from? Those types of questions mm-hmm. where he wasn't just, you know, going through the motions. Or trying to get anything from me. He's had a long, rich life. So, yeah. I, it's understandable that in a city like this, with the grind and the energy and the momentum of this city and the youth that we still have and the creativity that we have, that we're hungry and we want to run fast. But I think it's also important to look at the people that have done that before mm-hmm. us and have gotten all the things that they want to get and what are they doing? They're sitting in a fucking Starbucks with four venti coffees waiting for conversation. So kind of like that's what I'm trying to do, you know, with this podcast. So I guess if not Ira, you mm-hmm. are the last person to ask me a question like that where I felt Ay. like I was being a scene lit. <laughs> so thank you for the painting. Thank you for the convo. Thank mm. you for the questions. Thank you for answering the questions thank you for I having had. Me. Thanks for being had. And um, for listeners that are like, I, I got to see some aliens. And you're not going to storm fifth, uh, Area 51 on September 20th. I want to share Medisol's email. I mean, not email, but Instagram, because no one uses email. I literally don't know why I said email, because I don't even use email. <laughs> I had my email up on my Instagram, and I didn't even realize it. If people wanted to oh. contact me. But my Instagram is abstract. Marisol, M-A-R-I-S-O-U-L. That's my Insta. Word. Look me up. Anything else? One spoken word to to be out? One spoken word to be out. I sat with two tables between us. Our souls connected. I see you. I hear you. I appreciate you. Michael, you found an artist. Boom. (laughs) This is the part where you snap. Don't you know? Don't you know?
Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.